0: Hello and welcome to St. Peter's by the Sea in Narragansett, Rhode Island. I am the Reverend Craig Swan, the Rector and Priest at St. Peter's. And this Sunday we celebrate the fourth Sunday of Easter, also known as Good Shepherd Sunday. Our preacher this morning is the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley, Bishop of the Diocese of Rhode Island, our organist and pianist is our music director, Tony B. Romeo. Our soloist is Eden Castile. Our reader for this service is Claudine McBee. Our visual and sound technician is Ron Cowie. I invite you at this time to let go of anything that you have that's distracting you, and allow your heart and mind to enter into worship this morning as Tony leads us with our prelude. For those at home following our service, we follow the service of Morning Prayer right 2. It begins on page 75 of the Book of Common Prayer. Alleluia! Christ is risen! The Lord is risen indeed! Alleluia! Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God our Heavenly Father to set forth His praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship him, let us kneel in silence, and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. So lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord is risen indeed. Come, let us adore him. Alleluia. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to His voice. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along the right pathway for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
1: A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the good will of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Canticle 13 A Song of Praise. Glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. A reading from the first letter of Peter. It is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that, free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Reading from the Gospel of John Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and I will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: What does being a good shepherd look like in a season of plague and when a pandemic stalks the land? The good shepherd gives up his life for the sheep. That's the part of the gospel that follows the gospel we just read and that action Jesus talking about himself as a shepherd who will give up his life for the sheep, that behavior, that willingness to sacrifice for others, is meant to help us recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the person God has chosen to rule and lead us. Don't forget, there's always that political quality to the word Messiah. And it's meant for us to look for in each other, when we want to understand what godly leadership looks like. For us, at one level, being shepherds for our neighbors is easy. It means we need to wash our hands and wear masks in public. It means that we will inconvenience ourselves in an attempt to keep others healthy. It's what we've been doing since worship services were suspended. It's what we've been trying to do when we look to find ways to keep food pantries going in a time of historic unemployment and upheaval. And that's all well and good. And and it is part of what Jesus says in his speech about the good shepherd. Well, then we'd be all set for this week. But, but that's not what we just heard read. We heard about the sheep recognizing the shepherd's voice and following because the sheep recognized that his voice does not belong to a stranger. So what's that all about? It's worth remembering that shepherds were often hired to care for a flock. They were not the owners of a flock. Garrison Keillor once described shepherds of that time as being something akin to parking lot attendants, people who watch over other people's possessions and keep them safe. And that language that is in this lesson about thievery and banditry makes a bit more sense if you hold that image in front of you. But Jesus says that Not only will the sheep recognize his voice, but that he knows each sheep by name. And that implies an intimate personal knowledge of each part of the flock. It's a lovely and reassuring image in a moment like this. God knows us. God knows what we are going through. God knows our name and hears our pleas. Just as we listen carefully on our part for the voice of the shepherd to reassure us, And in hearing that voice following and allowing that shepherd to lead us through the valley of death, to borrow an image from the pastoral language of Psalm 23. Now, you don't have to wonder about what a community that was being called into being by the voice of the good shepherd would look like, because that's kind of what we are, right? We are that community that has been called into its being because we have heard the voice of our shepherd, and we have gathered to where we have found him calling us to be, in your case, here at St. Peter's Church. What does that community look like? What is it supposed to look like? Well, we kind of know the answer to that already. We just have to remember. The early church, which was led by the apostles and the disciples, who had been taught by Jesus directly, lived a life that looks very different than ours does today. Did you hear that little language in the first reading, the reading from the book of Acts? It sounded positively socialist. There's an old identify the quotation question that asked people to identify the quote from each according to their means to each according to their needs. When I was a kid, most people thought that was Karl Marx or maybe Engels. And they're always surprised when we pointed out, it's the Bible. We have a small sense of what that looks like now, right? We see it in the way that we care for each other, or at least how we aspire to care for each other. You know, neighbors are calling their neighbors and saying, hey, I'm going to the market. Do you need anything? People are calling on friends and family, and they're asking, are you safe? Are you well? And, and it's not just sort of lip service right now. They actually mean it. They want to know that the people they love are cared for. They also want to know that the people they meet on the street are doing well. We see it in the way people are wearing masks, not so much as to protect themselves, but to protect their neighbors and counting on their neighbors to protect them in response. This idea of a community that is gathered into a relationship of self-care for one another rather than for themselves is exactly what's being described in the book of Acts. It's, It's what it is to be sheep that are called into being by the voice of our shepherd. And we're limiting what we do and where we go, not so much as to protect, again, ourselves, but to break the chain of infectious spread and to preserve the life of our neighbors and the people who protect us and the people who care for the sick. We talk about flattening the curve as a way of keeping our healthcare workers safe. Exactly that kind of self-sacrificial, self-sacrificial, self-giving behavior that is what Jesus is calling us to do in this moment. You know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we, we put out a call with charities, Episcopal Charities, and we asked people to consider donating to Episcopal Charities. And and they did and, and did in amazing ways. And it's really quite extraordinary. In the first two weeks, we had over $25,000 donated in small gifts and in a few large gifts. That's way more than we would normally have. And that money has been turned around almost immediately by the board, and it's being given to the smaller food pantries, places like what you're doing here at St. Peter's, to support you so you can get the, the, the stuff you need to be able to give away to the neighbors who are going hungry, people who've lost their jobs. Uh, we've got two more weeks on this fundraising. I expect we'll have more money given, and it's all sort of typical for what we're hearing in this moment, isn't it? You know, thinking about this lesson from Acts, I I was at one of the clubs up in Providence having lunch and we were talking about Bernie Sanders uh, and one of the people who's a business owner and and owns a mill blurted out to me uh, that we can't have that sort of thing. This, you know, Bernie Sanders idea of universal health care. It's the first step to kind of socialism. And, And you'd be very proud of me. I did a good job of keeping a civil tongue in my mouth. But I responded that if it meant that I never had to do another funeral for a homeless person who died of neglect or who lacked medical care uh, or who really needed someone to be there for their mental illness, if that's what it meant to be a socialist, I'll sign up immediately. And and in these days, when suddenly we're recognizing how dependent we are on each other and we recognize that when we have someone who doesn't have health care and can't get treatment Uh, for an infectious disease, they're putting everyone's life around them at risk. Suddenly, we're finding that we have the political will to offer treatment at no cost to anyone who needs it, because that's what we need to keep one another safe. And, And, you know, now we're starting to talk about making sure everyone has stipends so that they don't go hungry, and they don't lose their house, and they don't have loans called in. And that's what they call that uh, universal basic income. All of a sudden, in this moment of of stress, we're starting to talk about doing things that people have been calling for us to do for a long time and asking us to live a life that's different than what we've been living, because I think we're seeing the consequences of how we have been living, and we're seeing the shortcomings of that. We're being asked to take seriously the kinds of things that we're hearing in the gospel today. We're being asked to take seriously the description of what the early church looked like when it shared what it had and that there was no lack among any of them. Things that seem impossible are suddenly possible. Things that seemed outlandish a few months ago are suddenly happening. That's both good and, and bad because there's some things that we never imagined could happen, and they're happening, and it's kind of terrifying. What would the good shepherd whom we follow actually have us do? Jesus expects us to do the same sorts of things that he does. He asks us to take up our crosses, and he asks us to follow him. He asks us to serve one another. He asks us to wash one another's feet. He asks us to make sure that our neighbors have what they need. And he expects us to care for our neighbors individually and would ask our neighbors to care for us if we need it. If we have what our neighbor needs, we're expected to share it, even if it means inconveniencing ourselves. That's different than what we tend to think Um, in a world when we hoarded toilet paper a natural response to the sense of fear and change. What Jesus is asking us to do, what the New Testament describes the early church's life as being like, is kind of the opposite of that. And it's a reminder of how much we still have to do, how much further we still have to grow. What's next for us? I don't know. I I expect we need to be open to the possibility that we will be making a turn, that things will be different. Actually, given the inequality in society, the lack of equal access to health care, education, clean water, healthy food, justice, I'd frankly be more than open to making a turn. I'm, I'm honestly longing. I don't think our present circumstances till just recently reflected God's will for one another. And I don't think we've been hearing the voice of our shepherd, much less following where the shepherd would have us go. But I believe we can listen in this moment. There probably won't be a single great moment of change or redirection as we listen or as we try to follow, but but things will probably change. And as I say, that's likely not a terrible thing. More likely... More likely, these changes will come as small opportunities to nudge the course of events away from a trajectory that concentrates more power and wealth than a few people towards a world that sounds like this community that is described in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. I think you and I, as Christian people in this moment, are being called to listen for the voice of our Lord. And to look for the ways that we can make small changes, we can affect small rethinkings of things, we can nudge history in one way or another that will take us from where we are towards God's dream for us, to making the kingdom of God real on earth. The good news is we don't have to do it by ourselves. God is with us and God is empowering us because the changes that need to be happened are probably beyond our ability, but nothing is beyond God's ability. And really, if we're listening, we're just following where God is leading us to go. We are sheep, and as sheep, we know the voice of our shepherd. Jesus knows us each by our own name. As Jesus calls us, may the Holy Spirit give us grace to follow where God would have us go. I ask this prayer. I ask this prayer for myself and for you. And I ask God's blessing on us all in this moment. Amen.
0: Let us affirm our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty for ever and ever. Amen. Save your people, Lord, and bless your inheritance. Govern and uphold them now and always. Day by day, we bless you. We praise your name forever. Lord, keep us from all sin today. Have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, show us your love and mercy, for we put our trust in you. In you, Lord, is our hope, and we shall never hope in vain. O God, whose Son Jesus is the Good Shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name, and follow where he leads who, with you and the Holy Spirit, lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessing through our worship of you, that the week to come may be spent in your favor, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
3: Oh! <laughs>
1: Prayers of the People from Form 4. Let us pray for the Church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, that your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for the clergy and people of Good Shepherd, Pawtucket, for the diocesan council, standing committee, and those who serve on our diocesan governing committees. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our parish cycle of prayer, we pray for Jean Garrish, Jean Gallo, Ron and Ruth Gabois, and Jerry and Pam Giacobi. Lord, In your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, mercifully accept the prayers of your people and strengthen us to do your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
0: The General Thanksgiving Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks life everlasting. Amen. The God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.